Welcome back to the SSPX podcast. Today, in the second part of our ongoing series, Digital Dangers, we'll examine the effects of modern technology on our mental fitness, spiritual well-being, and even on our physical health. While technologies such as smartphones, state-of-the-art search engines, and artificial intelligence give us access to vast reservoirs of information, are we harming ourselves intellectually through the superficial acquisition of knowledge? What adverse effects does this technology have on brain development? And can it even lead to addiction? Moreover, is technology damaging our capacity to have interpersonal relationships, and most importantly, a relationship with God? These and other concerns will be addressed by Father Jonathan Kopeck on this second episode of Digital Dangers. Father, welcome back. Thanks, Jim. Thank you for joining us again. Do you want to recap what we talked about last time to set the stage for today? Sure. So we basically introduced this idea that even just the the, the simple use of the machine mm-hmm. is having an effect on us. Um, and we kind of made the bold statement that in some way or another, it's weakening us, at least just kind of on the, the mental neurological level. And that's really just on a, on a physical level. So just the, the use of this, the screen and the way it's, it's forming my brain to be wired, to want to use it more. It's, it's already kind of causing this overstimulation, this mental fatigue, and we can already start seeing, you know, let's say the the beginnings of what we can call an actual addiction, because that's when our, you know, our habits are basically hijacked, our neurological, you know, pathways are basically hijacked in order to um, kind of need to keep using Mm -hmm. this thing. So that we just kind of started on just the basic idea of, okay, well, there's a, there's a danger here. And uh, the danger is that it's, it's weakening us mentally, and we're going to have to deal with that prudently. And then we opened the door to, but there's more. Um, and yeah. and the more is we're, you know, we're walking into a world that poses a lot of moral issues. Um, and I, and we haven't quite, I think quite finished, you know, talking about just the, the effects of just using the, the thing as well, sure. the machine. Sure. So it seems like we have a lot of, a lot of things to discuss doing the deep dive into how it affects us. Mm-hmm. So, um, let, let's start there. Okay. Um, you know, because there are a number of places one could start, let's um, let's take the low-hanging fruit, not in the level of importance, but in the most universal way, Sure, maybe that it affects us to you. Okay. Um, Alrighty. Well, I think if you were to picture yourself in, you know, a factory mm-hmm. and you're, um, you know, you're on a, you're on a, on a line, an assembly line, and your job is to whatever it is, you know, do three quarters of a crank in this direction and add that piece. And then it goes on. Well, if you do that year after year, after year, after year, um, in a sense that starts to become your life. And, you know, the more we repeat actions and the more we work towards a certain goal and the more we perform, you know, sort of, um, um, you know, uh, like a, a conglomeration of acts and intentions, well, that, that starts to form how we think. So you could, you could picture yourself after so many years of this, just really starting to think of yourself as a cog in a machine and mm-hmm. really starting to value efficiency more than anything else and productivity and things like that, because, well, the factory in a sense starts to become your life, especially if that's all you have. I think if we were to take sort of that image and apply it to ever since we started using machines, which kind of in and of themselves are more capable than we are, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we've we've hit this new pace of life, this new spirit of life that's been pushing us on and um, kind of speeding everything up. And so 
again, this is going to apply to just our use of our, our smart devices and things like that in the sense that these are really kind of like the, the, yeah. the conglomeration, the prism of these, of that kind of way of life. But my point just to start off with is that, you know, what we're all kind of used to calling life, it shouldn't be normal in the sense of we shouldn't always feel like we're having to rush towards a deadline. We shouldn't always feel like we're behind and exhausted and underpaid and underappreciated. We shouldn't always feel like factory workers in a sense. We we should, um, you know, best case scenario, have a, a true appreciation for our day to day because this is where we find the will of God. And this is where we can okay. find, you know, beauty and 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 peace of soul and happiness. But the the kind of the impetus of the machine that we started has created a new normal for us. And it's created this new set of, you know, normal circumstances, which aren't in fact normal. And so I bring that up as sort of like our, our opening image, yeah. because um, I think it, I think it's important to realize that, you know, we have to find a way back, you know, that I don't think it's, there's, it's not an accident that so many people in the world today, you know, even far outside Catholic circles are starting to realize there's something wrong. We've lost something yeah. and we need to find our way back to kind of just like a natural way of living. Well, we need to find our way back to a natural way of living. And like we're going to say later on, I think today, especially in, in the sense of our spiritual life. So let's say this, you have, um, you have this impetus of this kind of like fast moving productivity, efficiency based world, and then it gets distilled into your smart device. And that's going to take, you know, this, this new set of normal, which isn't really normal at all, and becomes very, very superficial, and just feed it right into us and right into our families, right into our, our, you know, our daily lives. And all of a sudden, um, even people that are very far from factories or factory life for the business world are feeling like, they're you know on this on this new on this new train of life mm -hmm. um and well then it has it has deeper effects so at the first effect that i kind of wanted to just draw attention to is sort of a, a conclusion to last time is just this this harriedness this unnatural kind of rush and superficiality of our lives that we need to find a way back from and well it's going to come down to how we use our technology because yeah. it's 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 our decisions there that are really gonna um kind of point us in one direction or another so yeah you're situating then again this is part part recap from uh the first talk but the smartphone is both uh, an outgrowth of a pre-existing sort of movement, right? Mm -hmm. Out of nowhere, a difference of degree and of kind. But maybe a further distinction would be helpful uh, if you can distinguish between machines and tools. Okay. Is that, is yeah. that something that... That's a fair distinction, on. yeah. Because tool, we, we, it's one of those things where you know a tool is something that is kind of morally indifferent. It's however sure. you want to use it. I can use my hammer to build your house or I can hit you in yeah. the head <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, the difference is, is that, yeah, you nailed it. Cause we, we do call, or at least I call the smartphone and, and smart technology, a machine versus a yeah. tool. So the difference there is it's a tool has a proportionate effect to how much I'm putting into it. Okay. And I could do some extra damage with a hammer, but it's still only to the degree that I can swing that hammer. It's, it's going to be proportionate to the strength that I'm putting in. So an extension of you, it's, it's an extension of okay. me, right? It, it's, and it's more or less a natural extension. 
um, a machine is when the effect is disproportionate to when you're putting in. So it's got a much bigger effect to what I'm putting into. Okay. So, a, a, you know, an example of a machine in this kind of context, what we're talking about would be like a car or a gun. Okay. So I push my foot down a little bit and all of a sudden I'm traveling 60 miles an hour or I squeeze my finger and all of a sudden I've blown something up like that. That's a disproportionate yeah. effect. And so even though we can still say using a machine in some way is morally indifferent, you can't quite say that because it, it, just in the sense of, yes, whatever goal you pick, that's going to, to determine the morality, you know, where you're driving or what you're shooting, that's going to de determine the, the morality of, you know, you know, you using that machine. And yet, again, kind of one of our conclusions last time was um, using a machine, especially something that is dangerous, mm -hmm. like a gun is going to require um, is going to require a, a higher degree of prudence, a mm -hmm. higher degree of education, and all that sort of thing. Because um, I'm, I could really harm something. I could mm -hmm. harm someone else, that I can harm myself. And so that uh, we would say that that definitely applies to the smartphone. Because now with just you know very little input, I can access any information in the world. I can access any you know culture or, or you know lie or truth, whatever it yeah. is. It's extremely powerful what I can do. Um, but I maybe an, again more to the point there's something about the use of a machine that has an effect on the user, perhaps mm. more than the use of a tool does on the user. So the, you know, the, the builder using the hammer, you know, okay, you can kind of say he starts to think like a builder based off mm -hmm. of his tools. But the more we have kind of entered into this machine world with this, with this disproportion and with this advancement, you know, this constant increase, well, the more that's affected us. So what, what we do in, an, in some way determines how we are and who we are and how we think. And the use of machines, especially, especially extremely powerful ones, and especially ones that have some sort of intellectual capacity, broadly mm -hmm. speaking, um, is gonna affect how we think, how we are, and, and who we are as, as a person. And so that, that's kind of what we're getting at as okay. far as, you know, these things are shaping us. And that's, I don't mean that in like a weird kind of conspiratorial no, no. way. It's just, it's, we're being shaped by our use of things. No, no, is it too bold to say then that, let's say with a tool, you know, you could have, for instance, the habit of carpentry, mm -hmm. um, but it's something that you, you are, uh, you're still the agent, moreover, you have a control over that. And you're, you're arguing with some of these machines, particularly modern machines like smartphones that, it's more controlling you than you controlling it. So there's right. a, there's a disproportionate influence and impact on, on who I am. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's not only, I mean, we haven't really talked about too much about this, but that's, that's for two reasons. The first is just the nature of this advanced technology okay. itself is already going to be kind of controlling me because it's more powerful than, mm -hmm. than I am in a lot of these you know, on what it can do, how fast it can access information and things like that. But another reason that we can say that is that, I mean, these are being controlled. I mean, smartphones just don't come out of nowhere. It's yeah. not, you know, you, you, you order a hammer and someone makes it and then you get it and then, okay, well, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's as far as it goes. No, and these things are constantly connected to um, thousands of people um, yeah. with all of their own ends and all of their own purposes in designing the applications and the interface and everything about the smartphone and what it can do. And that's, that's certainly what, what we're saying is that it's not passive. The, the phone yeah. is not passive. It is acting on us for sure. Yeah. Okay. So with all of that in mind, uh, can we, can you talk a little bit about, um, how this affects habitual dispositions then? Sure. Uh, you've, you've hinted at this and now the, the question is really, okay, if, if we've established that that is the case, mm -hmm. that, that it, that it has that kind of in, 
even to the point where we can say it controls us. Mm -hmm. So what are the downstream effects of that? Okay, so one of the big things that we like about our technology is that it makes things easy. Sure. Um, and that makes sense. Yeah. No one wants to work harder than they have to. Right. Uh, that's this is the great promise of yeah, the technology. Yeah. This is how everyone got sucked in. Yeah. Right. And, and why we continue to stay so? Because yeah, I mean, especially once something becomes easy. Yeah. Who's going to go back and and find a harder way to do it without a, a really good reason to right. do so? Well, okay, that's something we need to talk about actually. Okay. So. Here's a different image for you. Picture yourself now, um, you know, sitting on a beanbag in a nice, comfortable room. And, um, you know, you're more or less the emperor of the country. And sitting there on your beanbag, everything that you could possibly need is brought to you. You know, your food is brought to you, your drinks are brought to you. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have to get up and do anything because you're the ruler of the world. Well, um, what's going to happen is certain aspects about you are definitely going to start to become unused. So you're going to, you're going to quickly get out of shape because you're not going to be eating or exercising or anything like that. But anything about our nature, um, that we don't exercise also gets out of shape. So it's not just okay. a question of, you know, well, we, you know, we gain weight and I start to, I can't run anymore. Um, how we're designed it's in just the whole order of god in in creating us is that the more we work something out the more we have to kind of come across friction the stronger we become and vice versa and so the easier my life is the less strong i need to be in order to overcome it okay that's sort of a this is sort of a broad topic but the idea is that the less we work something the less it strengthens and resilience on the other hand is built up by resistance, you know, friction, sure, and vice versa. So the technology world, especially the smartphone seeks to eliminate resistance, they want to make life, you know, we want to make life with it as easy as possible. But in the process of that, that eliminates, you know, us being able to strengthen ourselves. And, and, I, and I mean, so something so much more than strength, uh, really, what we're going to come down to is, is virtue. Okay, so think of it this way, you know, Again, on the physical level, if you if you never run, if you never work out, if you never exercise, your your muscles start to atrophy. They shrink. The less we use something, mm -hmm. naturally speaking, the less it shrinks. Well, it turns out that even still physically speaking, the same thing happens with our brains. Believe it or not. So, um, and this is just this is this is recent discoveries. I was, okay. I was reading a book just a couple months ago about um, kind of the influence of screens in the school system. So the public school system is has really been trying to you know in yeah. integrate technology and screens because sure. that's what the kids want and they've been doing all these studies and it turns out i mean there's there's aspects of children's brains that are shrinking hmm. um because in their lower years when they're supposed to be working out these quote unquote like kind of like mental muscles we can mm -hmm. call them which is areas of our brain um they're they don't have to because the computer whatever it is is doing that work for them so you know we all kind of, I think, are, are, are familiar with sort of like the, oh, well, the, the TV, the, you know, all that's kind of killing the kid's imagination. Yeah. In fact, there's something very measurable about, measurable about that, that they're only recently kind of, you know, discovering and, and documenting. And it is that the, asp the, you know, the parts of our brain, physically speaking, that we activate in order to do things like problem solving mm -hmm. and basically using our imagination to come up with something, those literally are working less, the more we have some sort of screen interface to do imaginative work for us. Well, the problem is, is that as we grow up with that, that lack of having to work out, 
those parts of our brain atrophy and they become smaller. And now we end up with an adult who has who has very little capability of, of problem solving, of, you know, okay. of, of having to come up with solution. And, and, you know, that might explain, I think, in some ways, uh, you know, and we kind of come across these mind blowing scenarios, like, how could you not think of that when you're, you're sure, talking? Sure. But um, <clears throat> so, again, that's kind of on the physical level, but we can we can keep this idea going of, of the less friction we come across, the easier our life becomes, um, the weaker we end up being on the other side and, and vice versa. The, okay. And I'm not saying we all have to become, you know, crazy sure. penitents and make our life as miserable as possible. Obviously, there's going to be a balance sure. and, and all of that. But um, the problem is, is that, well, the machines and the technology world, the digital world is not seeking a balance. It's seeking as much as possible the elimination of resistance, you know, resistance to accessing knowledge, entertainment, pleasure, social status, everything. So, you know, why, why, why learn how to cook a dinner, for example, when, yeah. you know, you can app uh, a food delivery? Mm -hmm. um, why study when you can Google any answer you can possibly think of. Why learn how to write or present an answer when you can have an AI do it for you? Um, why socialize when you can get on a meta world and, and have the semblance of a social yeah. life? Um, why marry when you can have at least the physical aspects of marriage presented all over a screen? You know, the, I mean, mm -hmm. to, to just go very bluntly mm -hmm. to, to some of the worst points. Um, and, but especially I, I kind of want to draw attention to that when I say why study when you can Google anything, um, that especially is one of, one of the huge points that, you know, got us kind of on this topic is, yeah. is that more and more in our students, we're running across this lack of motivation to know, to learn, uh, to study. Yeah. Um, and it's because you can say, you know, whatever you want from the, from the podium, but in their desks, many of them, especially um, if they if they grow up in sort of a more tech savvy mm -hmm. digital um, environment, they're they're saying in their mind, "I don't need this. I, I really like. What's the point of me having to study?" Um, yeah. Uh, the child isn't going to make the necessary conclusions that well, if I don't study, my brain's going to be pretty worthless by the time I'm 25. Right. Or you know, if for some reason I can't Google something, then I'm not going to be able to figure it out. And they're not going to know that. They right. they just they they see that. Oh, well, I have Google. I got YouTube. I got Wikipedia. I got ChatGPT. And what else do I need? This right. is pointless. Um. And it and it's and it's it's really weakening us. So, kind of the term to to sum up this idea is that the more we use technology, the more shallow we are becoming and shallow in the sense of just, um, well, a lack of intellectual depth of moral depth of, of, you know, mental depth. Yeah. Um, we're, 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 we're kind of coming to this conclusion of we're becoming more shallow in our thinking, more shallow in our work, more shallow in, you know, even just the goals that we're, we're working towards. And we're like, you know, just the, the, it's kind of the antithesis of, of craftsmanship, like mm -hmm. why work and work and make a beautiful product when you can, you know, order something online that yeah. does the same thing, but way cheaper, you know, et, et cetera. Well, all of that sort of shallow use and shallow result is creating shallow people. It, it's creating a shallowness of character. And any parent, I hope that that thinks about this would say, well, I don't want, I wouldn't want for my child to grow up to be a, a shallow yeah. person that's not capable of making their own decisions. Um, well, we have to connect the, the cause and effect. We're yeah. seeing a lot of universally, I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, shallow characters um, growing up 
And I think too often we might be naive in, in drawing that to the cause. Are okay. we making life for our children too easy? Yes, yeah. we are. And not not just in the sense of the technological term. I mean, obviously this is gonna be yeah. kind of, you know, broadening out as as far as, you know, kind of just the whole spirit of the world and, you know, whether or not we're demanding, you know, um, a, a certain degree of discipline from our children and, and responsibility and things like that. But the more we take all that away, well, we're just we're kind of taking away their ability to to strengthen themselves, to, to grow in this sort of thing. No, no, I it's an interesting question. And so you're you're positing a causal link between the technology itself and ultimately the shallowness and and then you're throwing out there that probably anyone listening is going to say i obviously don't want that conclusion i don't want shallow mm -hmm. children i don't mm -hmm. I myself don't want to be shallow but either don't see that it's a causal link or, or don't see the extent to which right it's a causal link right but and i mean and it's, i think kind of like i mentioned before it, it it's something that we can at least try and examine ourselves on honestly sure. you know i mean it Am I trying to make too, life too easy for myself? And is it actually? Or yeah. am I finding that the more I kind of try and go into this ease of life, the more kind of stressed I become and the more kind of sucked into the machine I become or just the more incapable I am of running my life, of living up to a schedule, of getting tasks done, especially tasks that need yeah. to be done. I mean, I think if, if, if every parent really seriously asks themselves the question, am I wasting time on my devices that I otherwise could be spending necessarily on my family? Well, uh, a lot of times it's going to be yes but i mean we can all ask ourselves sure. that question am, am i am i giving time to this thing just because it's easier just because it's easier and that and that indicates in us you know maybe maybe not a you know some sort of grave evil i'm not saying that but it's indicating in us well a, a certain um weakness mm -hmm. you know, we've become weaker because we've kind of let this whole machine world start to do the work for us Right. So it's not about making things harder as such. This this ties into something much deeper. And this mm -hmm. is where you were speaking about character and then ultimately the question of, of virtue. Right. Right. Yeah. And and obviously that's the end goal. So there's two things that I kind of want to say about virtue. And the, the first is that, um, well, we know the, the, the spiritual axiom, grace builds on nature, mm -hmm. right? Well, what that really means is that as far as our spiritual life goes, our salvation, our closeness to our Lord goes all of that grace is a gift from God, period. It's mm -hmm. something that he grants by his own um, mercy and love. But when we say grace builds on nature, okay, the nature part, that part's up to us. That's, is, if the wind's blowing, am I gonna open the sail? You know, if the water's flowing, am I gonna collect it so that, you know, when the time of drought, I have something to drink? The, the, nat the natural part is, you know, everything from just my ability to pay attention to my ability to stick to a task or to overcome difficulties, to see difficulties as something to overcome and not just obstacles and, you know, I just mm -hmm. can't do it. That sort, of, that sort of frame of mind, that character, if it is too shallow, then we're not going to be disposing ourselves to a, a deep and, and rich you know, spiritual life, because, um, you know, if, if, for example, I, I get too used to just this lack of friction, well, why would I push myself to be virtuous in areas that it's difficult to be virtuous? You know, if I'm already just on the basic yeah. level of like never, you know, making myself clean my room or cook a meal or, or do a hard day's work or just, you know, challenge myself. Um, but again, that's even more still on a super, uh, I'm sorry, a superficial level. 
if we go a little bit deeper, if we don't challenge ourselves intellectually, well, you know, what that means is that we're not disposing ourselves for the virtue of faith even. So now this is becoming a lot more fundamental and a lot and a lot more of a problem. If, for example, I I don't I don't ever, you know, come across an intellectual challenge where I need to understand something yeah. that's difficult and figure out cause to effect mm -hmm. or a deeper principle or something like that and really make my intellect grow by my own natural efforts, then when our Lord offers me the grace of an increase of faith, it's not going to have that natural disposition necessarily to work with. Um, and that's on me. That's on me. So I'm not saying that God isn't capable of, you know, making yeah. whatever transformation in us that he wants. But the normal way that things work is that my own efforts are sort of the proportional disposition of how I'm going to grow in virtue, even though it's not due to my own efforts that I receive the grace. That's still a gift of God. Okay. But that 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 um you know that habitual disposition that I'm making by my own efforts is what's it's what's opening that up. Okay. Well, that's that's a that's a problem now. Now this is a yeah. bigger problem because if we want our children to be virtuous, to you know to be you know growing in the state of sanctifying mm -hmm. grace, which is the whole point, which is you know yeah. the beginning of heaven and and the most necessary thing. Okay. Well, then I need to give them the dispositions to to be virtuous, and that's not ease of life. That's that's not a that's not the machine world of efficiency and productivity. It's it's the life of of me learning to to have to grapple first with nature and then myself and and to really have mm -hmm. to overcome those things. So that, that's kind of the first thing as far as how okay. this affects our our, our yeah. spiritual life. Another one, and, and this is gonna um kind of it's gonna dovetail a little bit, but branch off a little bit from the shallow idea to more just a, a kind of a different way that this is affecting us, but it's it's gonna be connected. So when I say shallow thinking, yeah, um, and how that can can create not a not such a good disposition for you know the grace of faith, for example. Well, okay, I'll be I'm going to be a little bit more precise there. Shallow thinking. Um, in fact, this is something that is also in you know the last decade has has been the the topic of a lot of a lot of study. Um, and there are you know there are neuroscientists in the world today that are excited because it seems to them that we are going through another stage of evolution in their okay. terms, right? And what I mean by that is that, okay, with, with big advancements in technology and how that interplays with our, mm -hmm. our nature, um, we end up thinking differently in some way or another. So just, a, you know, a, an example from history is before the written word and after the written word, you know, okay. like, you know, yet you if you're, if you're reading you know, the, the, the Greek philosophers fighting against yep. the idea of writing things down because that's going to wreck things. And in a sense it did, you know, yes. in a sense, it brought a lot of good to us. <laughs> and in, a, in another sense, okay, well, we lost something, right? There, right? Okay. Well, um, the study now is that our, our habitual use of technology is once again, changing how we think. Hmm. Um, and here's what I mean by that. So picture, pick, there's basically, there's two ways you can do this. One we'll call kind of linear. I don't okay. I'm making that term up. I don't know if that's an, a, I don't think it's a made up term. Okay. But, maybe, maybe I'm using it accurately. Okay. I just can't remember, but just in case, okay. uh, we'll say I'll, 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 I'll take credit for that term or, or, or the other way, if I'm using it incorrectly, <laughs> but by linear thought, I mean this, I go from one, you know, starting topic to another related point and so on. And I yes. go from point to point to point and it's going more or less in a line. Sure. Are we okay with calling yeah. that linear? Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's that's normally how we think. Not only normally how we think, but that's how we that's how we give information to each sure. other. That's how a book pro progresses. Yeah. That's just that's that's how we're used to. Thinking. How salvation history proceeds. <laughs> All that good thing. <laughs> yeah. So 
um, linear thought is, you know, I guess you could say has been the status quo. Okay. And um, we can make the argument based off of the, the great philosophers and especially St. Thomas Aquinas that this is the natural way of thinking. This is how okay. we think. This is how our the faculties of our soul work. We receive information through the yeah. senses, our intellect processes it. We come up with, you know, with the term Syllogisms, and we connect yeah. things together and we reason. And all of that's connected and, and flows in a lot. Sure. And well, how we act again ba is based off of how we think. And especially when I say act, we can already draw the conclusion, this is how we pray. Mm -hmm. You know, we start with a, an initial thought, you know, for example, if you've ever done the Ignatian exercises, mm -hmm. it's, you know, here's your disposition of place, here's the grace you're asking for, and now go into it. And it's connected and connected. And, and all of that connection leads to this final soliloquy where you're speaking to God based off of this kind of formation that mm -hmm. you made, that's all interconnected. Okay, well, that's, that's the status quo. The thinking that technology is bringing us to and that the neuroscientists are applauding as this new great yeah. thing of our, is what we can call fragmented thinking. So the difference is instead of going from point A to B to C in a linear motion, I can go from A to X squared up here in an instant. It, it really just, it, it looks a lot like how most of us navigate getting online. So I wanna, you know, Google search, um, you know, I wanna raise chickens. And mm -hmm. so I type in raising chickens. And what that can br quickly bring me to is, you know, I have, I have 80,000 results yeah. and clicking on this one can bring me to someone's blog with a whole bunch of hyperlinks. And from there I can go to an Amazon page and, and decide I can already start buying chicken wire or I can start watching videos in a review. But then those videos on the side can instantly link me to something completely unrelated um, you know, like cute videos of puppies or something like that. Sure. And then I can go back, I can respond to a couple of texts on the side. I can, um, I can all of a sudden, you know, take a quick dive and, and scan a couple pages on different breeds of chicken. And in 20 minutes work, I can kind of come to the conclusion. I know quite a bit about raising chickens yeah. and I've already even purchased a few things. <laughs> Um, and that was amazingly fast, you know, yeah. like that I did that way better than sitting down or faster, let's say, um, um, much more quickly yeah. than and sitting it is down with a farmer. <laughs> and it is something that no one in human history could do until the last. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that yeah. we can like gain that sort of knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Well, the difference is there's a couple of difference. One is that we're not dealing with deep knowledge, right? Mm. This is a shallow knowledge. I've scratched the surface, literally yeah, yeah. chicken scratched the surface <laughs> on, on, you know, this kind of art, let's mm -hmm. say. And if I ever actually get chickens, I'm going to have a whole lot more to learn on the experiential level. Mm -hmm. um, and if I were to actually just sit down with a chicken farmer who has years and years of, of right. a deep knowledge of this particular craft or trade, okay, I, I would have come up with a much, I would have concluded with a much deeper knowledge on it. So that's one yeah. thing is that we're dealing with a shallow knowledge, which is incomplete and imperfect if we're being honest with ourselves. But another thing is that, um, and this is kind of more to the point, the more we go into that way of thinking and accessing knowledge in that fragmented manner, once again, we're training our brain, like that whole you know network of inter interconnected pathways and centers in our brain, we're training it to think in that fragmented manner. So instead okay. of going from A to B to C, I go from this point to a completely more or less related, not necessarily related to a completely unrelated point and just jumping from thing to thing, scratching the surface, getting what I need and then moving on. Um, and the problem with that is that the more we get into that habit of thinking, mm -hmm. the more just universally shallow our knowledge is going to become. 
um, already we could say, okay, goodbye to art, um, because that requires not only um, deep knowledge of a topic, but it requires deep work in order to, you know, to produce it. But, um, you know, goodbye to philosophy, because mm -hmm. um, I, there's no longer the need or the desire to dwell deeply on a topic and find its, its most deepest causes mm -hmm. and principles. And then, well, goodbye to prayer. And that's, that's mm. the biggest problem, is because if prayer is meant to go from, you know, uh, this, this point A, this, this, you know, presence of God or whatever it is, to a deeper and deeper access to the nature of God, which, you know, we can call contemplation, mm -hmm. contemplative prayer. Um, and our prayer is only, you know, essentially going to be good as our natural disposition to be able to pay attention on it, pay attention to it and to really, you know, focus deeper into something so that we can dispose ourselves to become more passive to God's work in our soul, which is kind of the basis mm -hmm. of contemplation. Okay. The, the more I'm losing those abilities, the more I'm really losing my ability to pray. And if I can't pray, <laughs> you know what happens to my yeah. spiritual life like pr prayer prayer is the only thing that we intellectual beings can do as far as actually connecting to god our father and and that's that's something that we have to do and so again if we were to just stop right here and just and take take a step back and just say okay if we were to diagnose our prayers you know yeah. um who can i mean, hopefully someone can out there but i would be surprised if many people can say confidently that it's been you know in the last couple of years that they've been able to offer one decade of the rosary without some legitimate distraction getting in the way much less a couple hail marys um on the one hand okay we're human beings we have to we have yeah. to, you know it's difficult and and distraction is in some way always going to be part of our you know circumstances and yet if you know all the great spiritual writers really all all of the greats that have been held up by the church as you know this is a this is a master of the spiritual life will say that we are all called to some degree of contemplation to some deeper degree of prayer and we're having you know the time of our lives being able to make it to a through a rosary much less a decade much less a hail mary sometimes because something's wrong with that you know, th this is a problem yeah and not only that but you know if if we're not making a concerted and continuous effort in our prayer life, meaning trying to pray better, trying to focus more, trying to really become that much more intimate with our Lord on a spiritual level, well, then what are we doing as far as our Catholic life is concerned? We're living on the surface. You know, it's, it's a shallow spirituality. It's a, it's a, it's a shallow Catholicism. And I, I'm not, we, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're basing everything on, you know, a shallow spiritual life on the fact that we have a smartphone in our pocket. Sure. I'm not saying that. Again, this goes back to the whole world we're living yeah. in. This is the result of a continuous movement and impetus away from nature and intellectuality and, in the good sense, and you know, um, and prayer and silence and and contemplation. Well, if we take this device that. Yeah. is the result of that movement and it starts to control our life is it any wonder that many of us say to ourselves wow i just have such a hard time praying I just have such a hard time yeah well i mean the stakes can't be higher right when you put it like that <laughs> let me let me play devil's advocate though on, okay. on one point Hit um, me. well it's several points but connected to what you said um you gave the example of looking for chickens and things like that and and mm -hmm. you're right that you know that the knowledge you would get in actually let's say uh raising chickens for a year would not just uh, quantitatively 
increase your knowledge, but qualitatively affect it as well. But I think someone could argue, okay, but not everyone's actually going to be a chicken farmer. This is, as far as shallow learning goes, not everyone is going to be a contemplative cloistered monk. Not everyone is going to, you know, really study history in their lives. So isn't it better than nothing, right? Isn't it better than nothing to do a little bit of of, of chicken, you know, searching on Google? Isn't it better than nothing to get on a Zoom rosary, you know, mm-hmm. with, with people all over the world? Um, you know, because that's all uh, these technological devices have allowed me to do something. So isn't mm-hmm. that isn't that better than nothing? That's that's the devil's advocate. Okay, it's a, and it's a good question. The problem is, is that depending on where we branch off of the question, the answer is going to vary sure. a little bit. Sure. So I've, if we were to say, you know, on the just on the intellectual knowledge level or the mm-hmm. skill level, is it better than nothing? Um, I think in some ways we can say yes. I mean, as far as being able to access some knowledge of an art or to find an answer quickly, whereas it would have otherwise been. There's not something intrinsically wrong with that. However, there are two caveats that go along with that. The first is that, again, we're dealing with something that the more we use that sort of ability, the more um, we're disposing ourselves to have to use that sort of Mm -hmm. ability. So there's a big difference between, well, isn't it better that I can just, you know, quickly learn about something and move on with my life? It's like, well, yes, but if where does the line get drawn as far as that's what I always do. Yeah. All of a sudden I find myself, I'm not going deeply into anything. And then, then we open the door to a possibility like, okay, well, is it even always better? Um, because if our life is really meant to be, and it really is meant to be the consecration of the current moment, well, maybe it isn't even necessarily better for us to gain shallow knowledge and little things if it's pulling me away from just being able to do what I'm doing now, well, mindfully and consecrated. So, I mean, I, I, I think yeah. it's too much for me to come down or for anyone to come down with a hammer and just say, sure. thou shalt never Google and, sure. and you know, yeah, yeah. well, that just wouldn't work. I mean, yeah. it, 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 there, there's, there's, um, it, in some ways, it's too much. I think, at least in, in this, just to just say it's it's a moral right. possibility. However, um, I think that the conclusion, I, I okay, personal opinion time. Yeah, yeah. My personal conclusion on this would be, um, I think that if we had it in mind to do it a, as little as possible, and especially in proportion to how important the thing is um, mm. that we're dealing with. So if it is actually just learning something about chickens okay fine google it find your answer if it's but you know what are what are the what are the main facets of the spiritual life what's you know what's the deal behind the crisis in the church yeah you know what what should i think about this you know this this moment in history or this this aspect of catholicism or or in, in or philosophy or whatever is okay now now we have to be honest with ourselves i'm not just dealing with with yeah. chicken coop here i'm dealing with something very important you know if i'm going to try and understand something deeply that that's when because now the proportion's bigger um or the the value of the thing is bigger in proportion to that value that's when we should it isn't better in my opinion it's not better to google search you know what should i think about this person or what's the crisis in the church except insofar as that can lead me to a deeper source of knowledge um i i would i personally would be be willing to, to 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 go down on that um then if we follow that kind of train of thought, okay, um, 
if our intention is to use it at, at, to kind of have like this intent of using it as little as possible because i don't want to let myself get sucked into this yeah. habitually becoming easy and, and shallow and then one step up from that is i positively don't want to use it for sources of deeper knowledge for that i want you know a deeper source of yeah. knowledge like a, a trustworthy book or a person or something like that okay well then i think the, the big conclusion when it when it comes to our spiritual life no if if we're using some sort of technological means as a as a um as an aspect of our spiritual life what we're saying is we're, we're using something artificial and i think that I, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to put my opinion as absolutely not, yeah, yeah. you know, because for example, if, you know, if, if I were locked up, um, you know, in prison or I was in a place where I could never access the sacraments or something like that, then I could see that it probably would be worth my time to, you know, to whatever, watch a live stream of a traditional mass somewhere, listen to a sermon, yeah. all those good things, obviously. Um, but I would I would say that there needs to be a much more serious kind of set of circumstances instead of you know well every morning um, for my morning prayers I watch a mass and then um, you know I say a decade of the rosary and then move on with my day that that can't replace mental prayer mm. period so in that sense no it it's not it's not yeah. better and um, I don't think I have to say that one's my opinion we we cannot we cannot no. replace our spiritual life with some sort of digital semblance to it because uh, okay. then it stops becoming us and if it's not us well then it's not contact of, of my soul with christ and of course not and it doesn't matter what people are saying or what we're hearing or maybe you know how, how nice i feel because of how beautiful this sounds or something like that if i'm not accessing the divinity with my intellect and will then it's not prayer um mm -hmm. and so in that sense yeah no I, I i would i would stand with uh a little bit is not better there okay so you've you've worked us step by step all the way up to to contemplation, really being what what is at stake here. Mm -hmm. And, and oh, I mean, I guess I didn't quite yeah. answer all of your question because you mm -hmm. said yeah. So contemplation, you said um, you know um, someone might say um, I'm not you know I'm not going to be a monk anytime soon. I have, right. I have, well, yeah, I have or, twelve kids or whatever it is. I'm I'm not this whole contemplative life thing. Um, well, in, in a sense, that that's something that we do need to understand more about our universal vocation. You know, we are, even if you're not called to be a monk or a priest or a brother or a sister, mm. whatever it is, religious sister, um, we are all called by God to, to um, an intimate life with him in our soul. And that life is, again, another word for that is a contemplative life. And so this is something that, you know, the archbishop really instilled in us um, as far as how he wanted priest to be formed in the seminary this is what we call this the the soul of the apostolate it's you know our actual effectiveness in our life our living our vocation whether we're a layman a priest or mm -hmm. a, um you know a monk in a in a con in a monastery somewhere um it all comes down to how rich is my spiritual life how close am i am am i to christ how 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 um faithful am i to my mental prayer which is you know kind of our first yeah. main um disposition to contemplation that that is for all of us and um that is a, a a thought an idea an ideal i think that's very often lost um even in catholic circles today just because of how secular the world has become and how secular our lives need to be we kind of just think you know either well i couldn't be a religious and so 
there goes, you know, this deeper sense of prayer life. No, that's just not it. That's, that's letting the secular world become too much, uh, of, uh, of our life. Uh, uh, it's, it's that, that's not, that's not, that's simply not what we're called for, called to. What we are called to is in some degree, according to our state in life, some degree of contemplation, and that's a universal call. And so again, now it's back on us. Okay, if we can identify something, and even kind of scientifically, we're identifying something that is affecting our ability to pray, we have to do something about this again. Okay. Um, it, it, and, it, and it comes down to, you know, very, some sort of very conscious effort on not letting this active machine yeah. um, ruin my ability to get closer to God. Uh, that's that's what it's going to come down to some some positive effort on our part um again it's yeah. we're not we're not just saying you know go live under a hill somewhere right, right. but we are saying we have to act on a higher level of prudence and education to to make sure that we're controlling um not only our character our virtue our habits but our prayer life and not just letting it being swept away okay well, that's sobering, Father. And may, maybe, maybe this by way of conclusion. So you, you've walked us sort of up up this mountain, starting with you know how how smartphones and things affect uh, us, and little daily steps all the way up to how it affects our our spiritual life and our union with God. So, if you can walk us back down now on a practical level, would you say? <clears throat> I think you are saying, um, yeah, steps that would help lead to contemplation and void uh, include. Mm-hmm. getting rid of to the extent you can your smartphone doesn't include then also you know cooking with your family instead of ordering out or hanging out with your friends and talking to real people mm-hmm. i mean is that yeah, I mean, is that is that all it's part are, of the big picture all part of the big picture okay. and, and we i'm and i hope that, you know in our ongoing conversation we will kind of nail those okay. points more individually as we as we get along but yeah i mean i, the, I think the general conclusion at least from this idea is that um while not intentionally making life as hard as possible, because that's not the point at all. That's that's not Catholicism. Yeah. Um, we do, if we can identify um, a problem, and this problem is this shallow inducing thing, to walk back down means um, to have it as sort of a, a principle in our life, both to um, give a priority of importance to the more important things, which is, first of all, our spiritual life, and then to have an intention to try and find ways to act against this negative influence, this shallow influence. So yeah, that's, it's, you know, if I realize, wow, I do just waste time. Okay. One of the ways I'm going to act against that is I'm going to, you know, really push myself to try and, um, you know, not, not just, you know, run a tighter schedule, but to use my time more meaningfully, more, more, more Mm -hmm. worthily in a sense. Mm Um, if I realize, you know, my, my social life is fake and I'm, and I'm living a false persona all the time and pretending it's making me feel more worthwhile, well, then I'm going to act against that by trying to spend time, like worthwhile time with my friends and family, especially if I have a family, um, et cetera. If, if, if I just can't concentrate for a moment when I try and say my prayers, I have to take, you know, steps to start turning my screens off. And then I need to start disposing myself to be able to pray. It's not going to be as easy as just, I don't use my smartphone anymore, or I don't use it 80% as much as I used to. It's going to be um, a process of getting back into shape and the mental shape to learning how to concentrate again. So to to start, you know, start with reading a book, for example, and being able to, to read a chapter at a time. Um, and then to study and to, you know, to study our faith. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
which seems like it would be very helpful to, to, to read scripture, you know, and then mm -hmm. all that, that kind of like more, I guess we'd call that like a naturalizing reprocessing. Yes. All of that's okay. what's going to start bringing us back to, um, where we need to be. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, um, lay down, you know, again, I'm not going to lay down any sort of, you know, this absolutely means everyone needs to chuck their smartphone yeah. over a bridge. Um, but we all, we all really do have to ask ourselves again, okay, okay, if, if there are at least some aspects of it that can go, what can go start with that? Okay. Um, because as long as it's a continual feed into our life, we can want to be better or, or deeper all we want. It's not going to matter. Um, and then try and keep asking yourself that question. What can go? What can I do better? Um, again, not to, not to, to start the fight, but to just say, what can I take from this to do better? All right. Thank you, Father. Sure. We'll jump into the other issues in the next few episodes. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Father.